Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to our last chapter uh, in the book of 1 John. And every time we get to the end of a book, John, I, f- I feel like we're, we're saying goodbye to an old friend. You know, I, I've enjoyed this study. I sure have myself, Pastor. It's been great. And I agree with you. We're coming to the end. You know, this has been a great study in First John. I'm looking forward to the conclusion today. But it's bittersweet in the way that we're, we'll be moving on for First John after this. I was talking to... Uh, uh, a man recently who's been watching, maybe he's still listening or watching right now, and he said, Pastor, I, I, I've really liked these studies in, in First John, and I've really not liked them. He said, they've been like a kick in the teeth. So I don't know that I've ever received that kind of compliment uh, for a Bible study, but uh, I know what he means because it is definitely a convicting book. First John chapter 5 and verse number 1, uh, the Bible says these words, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. I think most of us know that when the Bible was originally penned, obviously there were no chapter divisions and verse divisions. It was just a letter. So, and I say that because... I like the chapter divisions and verse divisions. It's help, helpful for reference. But the mistake I think sometimes we make is that we just end a chapter and forget that that's the context for the next chapter. And such is the case here in 1 John 5 and verse 1. We've been talking about the fact that uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is man. What we believe about Jesus is essential, obviously. And that our belief, our doctrine also is connected to our practice. And those that truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have been captured by his grace and dwelt by his spirit are those that are going to be loving and serving other people. And we find that again, explicitly stated here in verse one. And John, I want your comments on this here in a bit, but it says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So what a statement. Uh, what, what is the basis of our salvation as far as we, we are concerned? It's our faith. It's our reliance upon uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, our correct I- identification of Jesus. He is the Christ. So what does the Bible say about Jesus? He is the anointed Messiah. Then the Bible says, um, that that we believe, we put our faith and trust, our reliance upon that. So it's not just, John, and speak to this, it's not just our understanding of the facts or our mental ascent of the historical Jesus, but it's the understanding that Jesus is, everybody, is everything the Bible says he is, and our faith must be, in a practical sense, in him and in him alone. You're exactly right, Pastor. The Bible makes a lot of that. You know, in John, you you know very well the 
Throughout the Gospel of John, the word believe looms very large. The idea of believing throughout the Gospel of John. We find here, John deals a lot with what people must believe. First John chapter 4, verse 1, we talked about where John mentioned the two different spirits in the world. And Pastor is exactly right about the concept that it's not enough just to have academic knowledge. You know, I, I, know, I know a lot of people who are uh, academicians, who study the Word of God, but th they're really they're really not believers in Jesus Christ. Yeah. They, they look at what the Bible says. They would even say, yes, there was, you know, 2000 years ago, basically a person named Jesus who was born and they would believe in the historical Jesus, but they would not believe that Jesus truly is the Christ, the son of God who has come, who's prophesied in the old Testament. You know, my mind goes to what Paul talks about in Acts, where Paul is preaching that the Christ had to suffer. A lot of people didn't understand that. But you talk about, you have to believe everything the Bible says about the Christ. And the Bible says the Christ had to suffer. And, and Paul is demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer from the Old Testament. And then he also points out, and that Jesus is that Christ. Mm. And that is what is important, what John's addressing here, that Jesus is that Christ. It's not enough to simply say, yes, Jesus was a man who lived. In John's day, people would have known that. That wasn't debated. But what people debated was, is Jesus the promised one that God said he would send? Is he the Christ? And this is not just belief in a Jesus. This is belief that Jesus is the Christ, the one promised in the Old Testament, the sacrifice for our sins, the one through him alone we can have reconciliation with God. Yeah. And so keep in mind, my friends, that when you see the word Jesus— you're seeing the, the human Jesus. Jesus is his human name, right? So Christ refers to that anointed Messiah. Remember, the Gnostics believed that, that Jesus, the Christ, came upon Jesus. Um, some believe that the Christ came to Jesus when he began his ministry and left to Jesus before he died on the cross. Uh, so he came upon the human Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus is the Christ. So remember, we went back to chapter four. This is what we call the hypostatic union. This is the fact that Jesus is God. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah, the son of God, God, the son. But he is all human as well. He is the God man. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. All God, all man. And I love what John said here a moment ago, and that is every Jewish person believed in the concept of the Christ. They, they all believed that, but they just didn't understand who Christ was, that Christ would be a suffering servant, that Christ would be the one that would identify with their sins and die upon the cross. That, that they didn't believe. So when Peter, for instance, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, declared that Jesus was the Christ. That's the great confession. Jesus immediately said, well, you're right, and God revealed that to you, but now let me clarify, because what you're thinking is, I'm the Christ that you expect. And so, no, I am the Christ that will die. I will suffer many things. And that same Peter that had made that great confession, that same Peter said, uh, oh, not so, Lord. No, we won't ever let that happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, 
Satan. So it's important that we certainly are informed biblically about the identity of Christ, but not just informed that, but then that our, our heart faith, our heart belief is that we rely upon him as our soul's only hope. Is it not interesting too, John, that he says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So where would this concept of being born of God or being born again, where would that concept, where would that have been introduced to John? Well, we know the answer because John was one of the disciples that was with Jesus when Jesus first taught on this subject, which was to Nicodemus in John chapter three. Matter of fact, John was the one that wrote about that episode with Nicodemus in John three. So being born of God, that's a supernatural birth. So the supernatural uh, being born again, being born of God is a matter of my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, the Christ upon the cross. So it's a short statement that leads us into chapter five. But wow, what a theologically rich statement it is. It certainly is, Pastor. You know, we could we could go on for more than a podcast talking about this idea about Jesus being the Christ. This is theologically rich that he is the Christ, also rich that we can become sons of God by believing on Jesus Christ. In my mind, when you talk about becoming sons of God, my mind also went to John 1, 12, mm. you know, that his own people rejected him. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even of those that believe on his name. And we keep on coming back to the idea of believing. It is important what we have faith in God about. We have to believe all of what John's talking about throughout the epistle, that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Christ. These are all essential elements to our Christianity. In so many ways, uh, chapter five and verse one encapsulates what we've been talking about for the last four or five episodes. Okay, so look at it again. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So there's the theologically rich statement about our salvation. But then watch the last part of the verse where it says, and everyone that loveth him that begat. So who is the one that begat? God, God. God. Everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Okay, so to whom does that refer? Well, it refers, obviously, uh, to Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, but to all of those that are born of God. So if we truly love God, then we're going to love the Son of God. <laughs> That's axiomatic. But then we're going to love the children of God. We're going to love the brethren. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, we're, we're to love as brethren, uh, we are to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. They might even be a different denomination. <gasps> they might not have different preferences than we. But why? If they name the name of Jesus, if their faith and trust is in Christ, there ought to be a special love that we have for the brethren as much as lies within us, as we have therefore opportunity doing good unto all men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. There ought to be a family unity that characterizes the children of God. So you see the great doctrinal truth at the beginning of the verse, and then the great practical truth that our doctrine informs our behavior. And our behavior really can be categorized in the Christian life as the way that we love other people. You know, I think of even the human, in life, humanity right now, how that, you know, 
fathers do care how people treat their children. Mm. You know, if their children are treated or mistreated, it, it really it really is important to parents how people deal with their children. And Jesus knew this truth to be important also in the spiritual realm, so much so that in John 17, we find Jesus prays, of course, for himself, his disciples and future believers, but he prays a lot throughout there about the idea of love and about the idea of unity, how that people, the people of God, the children of Jesus Christ, the children of God need to dwell in unity. And I like what you said, Pastor. There's some people we may not cross, you know, our T's and dot their I's just like they do, but if they're Christians, we, they are not our enemy. We are to be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who love the Lord, who love each other, and who can get along with each other and can serve Jesus Christ for the greater good of the kingdom of God. That's so good. Look, look at verse number two. So by this, we know. So but if there's one thing we've learned in our study of the book of First John, we've learned that this, the recurrence of this word, know. We know, we know. It's a book of assurance, and it's a book that was written that we might have greater confidence uh, in our God and in communication with our God. We're going to get there here in an episode or two, but look at verse number two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now, the opposite is also true. So we can have confidence that we love God when we love the children of God. And we can also have confidence that we love the children of God when we love God. And one of the ways by which we assess our love for God is, do we do what he says? Do we do what he says? Because if we were to do what he says, that's a good indication that we love who he is. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples there in that last conversation in the upper room? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, because when you keep the commandments, you abide in his love. His commandments are not grievous. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, not, not today's episode, because we're almost out of time. But too often we look at the expectations of God upon our life as our heavenly father, almost legalistically, like, oh, God has these thou shalt and thou shalt nots and these expectations in the word of God. And we're under grace and we don't have to do what God says necessarily. He loves us anyway. What a, what a low view of God. No, it, it, almost, it almost implies, John, that God commands us to do things that, that are harmful for us or that are grievous to us or that make our lives miserable. Instead of looking at God is going to give us commandments, he's going to outline expectations for our life that are in concert with his love for us, that are going to help us to be the best that we can be and to fertilize the love that we have for each other. They're not bad things. They're good things. They sure are, Pastor. I think of how our God is a God of, you know, specifics. God doesn't just leave this nebulous. You know, people will, many people love if John would have just said, you just need to love God. But he defines what that is. And I love that God does that. He doesn't just leave this nebulous idea, you need to love me. No, God says, here is here are concrete ways you can gauge this. Mm. If you are keeping my commandments, you're, it's because you love me. Mm. Um, and you cannot love God without keeping his commandments. And so I love how God gives us practicality about how we can gauge whether we truly are in fellowship with him or not. Yeah, I love what you just said. He doesn't leave it nebulous. It, it's not this mysterious general principle because if, if you ask the average person today, do you love God? Yeah. They would say, yeah, I love God. 
Or even if you ask the average person, do you love people? Yeah, I love people. But remember, somebody came to Jesus tempting him one day with that very same formula. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story about what it means to love your neighbor. And he got very specific, you know, meeting a need, caring for this person that's not like you, this Samaritan caring for this Jew, the sacrifice made, how we love God by loving our neighbor. And I'll tell you what, that put the whole conversation in a different light. And I tell you, when we understand what the Bible is saying in these verses, it really is a conviction, isn't it? To realize that our doctrine, do you really believe that Jesus is the Christ? Have you relied upon him for your soul's salvation? Well, then, then that indwelling spirit of Christ in your life ought to be compelling you to obey the word of God, to love the people that God has put within arm's length of you, to practice what you say you believe. We're going to come back to this uh, next episode, so I want you to stay with us. Uh, rich, rich, uh, this passage is, and I think you're going to see some great truths uh, as it continues to unfold. That's all the time that we have for today, though. So I hope you have a great day. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.